everybody, welcome to episode 130 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film. I am one of your hosts, Sashia Dumont. I'm another host, Mr. Paul Robert Robinson. Oh, the middle name again. I don't know why oh, that comes why in. That? Every once in a while, it just pops in there. It's your big giant dork. Big dork. All right. All right. 1.30. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. We got some, we are, we have some things to say. I'm on a flan high. All right. Flan fan. So, yes. um, okay. So we're gonna, we're gonna address this, this Warner Brothers thing because in the biz, if you will. Those Warner Brothers. This has been quite, this has been quite the, the issue, the issue mm-hmm. um, with Warner Brothers. And, uh, and so we, we have a couple topics. We have two topics and then two reviews. So yeah. let's just get. Get straight to, to the it. Topics. So we and we have something to say about it, and we, you're going to hear it. Yeah, what he said. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, so Warner Brothers announces that they're going to be basically releasing next year's films um, in conjunction to theater releases. They're going to have them streaming, and that they're using HBO Max same day as their uh, platform for said uh-huh. streaming. Um, personally. Uh, I can't. I I can't think of a of a of a streaming service or an app, mm-hmm. I guess, that has a worst worst worsted that has a worse a more worst that has a worster um, layout than HBO. I don't know yeah. who was in charge of that, but it's it's pretty it's, bad. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough when bad. you have a lot of content, but uh, it's Hulu's it's, second up for that one. I don't yeah. like the way Hulu is set up. Yeah. Um, Disney has the best one because it's like, here's everything in alphabetical order. Mm-hmm. Here's everything based on whether it's a classic cartoon or show. Mm-hmm. Here's everything based on genre. Like, yes. Yeah. Okay. Here's the shorts. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know. Like HBO has the worst, mm. the absolute worst. And then Hulu gets really kind of shaky well, a little is, bit. This too. is the layout on Apple TV. I don't, I don't know what they look like look like on Roku or well, on Apple. It's any other horrendous. Crap. I can't it may be the same. I don't know. I don't know. I can't stand the layout on Apple. Then if it's different, yeah. we wouldn't know. But for that, it's I mean, bad. and the, the Apple box, you know, it, it runs so smoothly. Otherwise, <laughs> not <laughs> the Macintosh television. Box. I can't uh, I, I really can't recommend that thing. We have the newest version of it. Yeah, um, I don't like it. I, I really yeah. don't like it at all. I would I if I knew I would have just stayed with the older one, honestly. And, still and, have it. And by know? the older the one, I mean like the first one. We were yeah. riding that for a while, and this one was just not worth it. Um, okay, so so there's been a there's been a bit of a controversy over this. Uh, Nolan right. had chimed in. Um, yes, he did. Who's the other? Uh, Villeneuve. D- Denis Villeneuve. Yeah, he chimed in. Mm-hmm. Um, What's his face? I think, also, I think uh, I think uh, Momoa and somebody else jumped in too. I'm, I'm thinking not sure of the other that. director, the one who does like all those knocked up movies and stuff. What's his? What's her face's husband? Oh, I don't know. Oh, um, uh, I know who you're talking about, yeah, but I can't think of his he, name. He chimed in, um, and and so and okay. so they're, they're all upset because they're they're choosing to release the films streaming and in the theaters on the same day. Well, I mean that's what what Warner Brothers is doing because right. let's face it, movie theaters are are not where they were and they're not going to be where they were even after uh even even should this vaccine become widely available to the public, it's gonna be a while before people really trust sitting in a movie theater again. So mm-hmm. um on the one hand it was a it was a move that kind of had to be made in order for the business to sort of recoup yeah. or survive or uh, kind of go with that flow, I guess. And so then on the other end of that, well, I will have... say there was there's one interesting thing that I well, I thought it was interesting because you have um, you have Wonder Woman coming out on Christmas Day um, on the HBO Max. And you don't have to pay any extra for it, Disney. And um, but what's interesting is that a lot of times when you have a movie that's released in theaters, you get back end points or whatever they're called. I don't, I don't know. Whereas if. You know, uh, I know Robert Downey Jr. did this a lot where if the movie makes X amount, then that that depends a lot on what people get paid. You know, if the movie makes 500 million, you get X amount. If it makes a billion, you get X amount. And so they I guess they just assumed that Wonder Woman would make a billion dollars and paid everybody accordingly. That's my understanding. Um, And I found that interesting because you don't really think about that. 
for that side of it. But anyway, I digress. Well, well yeah, I was kind of getting into it, but oh, then sorry. you cut me off, so I didn't get to make my point. Right. Uh, so uh, basically the issue uh, that Nolan was taking up, which I'm sure is whatever's going to affect him financially as well, um, but his claim was that it was more the economics of it and that I believe he referred to them as unsound or something like that. Um, unsound. Yeah. And that it was like movements with share prices, uh, the number of views that you're getting in terms of, you know, what, what you're selling in theaters uh, that, that come with a traditional release, the economics of it. And then he got into grips, electricians, um, the, there's the, uh, the International Alliance Union. So mm -hmm. they get residuals for their pension, for their, their health care, uh, SAG, which I don't give a shit about, but I know it's not about SAG, it's about the actors. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the, all of that, that comes right. along with it. So depending on, on the agreements that certain actors may have had with the studio, there is the whole, you know, what's going on on the back end, depending on how well they do in the theater release. And then you have these residuals yeah. and the way that that works. And so... It's interesting because I, I certainly see that, obviously, mm -hmm. but it's I don't know. It's it's a it's a it's a bit of a double edged sword. Right. Because the way that he he and people of his caliber are looking at this deal and what it's going to mean for them. And then uh, I believe he'd also claimed that it was like going to ruin film forever. It was going to change film forever. It was like this whatever um, the way that they view that move from a studio with that much financing is kind of how smaller filmmakers view them. Right. Right. You know, you used to, I mean, look, theaters don't play independent film. That's not Nolan's fault or anyone else's. Right. It It's related, but studios don't play smaller filmmakers work. Right. AMC doesn't give a crap about somebody who had a $20,000 budget. They'll do that thing where certain theaters like once a month, will take pity on a smaller yeah. filmmaker and you can watch this film for like four hours that day. They'll give you this tiny window and then they're like, get out of here. We want to, yeah. we need this theater for a real movie. Yeah. So it's, unless you find super independent theaters that are willing to play your film and however you can work that out, these deals don't affect anybody that, that work. And, and I'm talking about sets that are bigger than ours, but but still, say a million dollar film, that's nothing. It's not even, you know, yeah. that's pennies to them. That's an indie film. And what happened, what's happening to what you're fearing is going to happen to you has been happening to other filmmakers because if you don't make a film that's based on a book, yeah. if it's not some type of like teen sci-fi graphic novel, yeah. if it's not a blockbuster, a Marvel movie, Star Wars, if you don't have an A-list cast, I mean... Yeah, you have no shot. Yeah, I mean, as it is, you have movie theaters. Yeah, the, you know, the, like you said, they cater to the the genre films and, and big horror. Either either low budget, and by low budget, I mean like ten to twenty million dollar films that like Blumhouse does, and those that could right. that could make a hundred million and, and make a lot of money for their budget. Mm -hmm. Or you have the, the you know the four films and stuff. Yeah. Or you just have those huge budget movies. There's no middle ground movies anymore. That's why I was happy to see um Edgar Wright's film because that was just like a mid budget movie that he wrote and directed. And mm -hmm. you can love it or hate it, but you know, that's his film and he made it and and that type of film I mean that's kind of a genre film because it's kind of actiony I guess but comic booky but yeah. Uh but uh but that type of film that like mid level drama that's not going to be in, that. There's no way that's going to be in theater. Even before the pandemic, that stuff started stopped no, being well, that's theaters. The thing. It's like, you know, look, a, a lot of these directors have been attacking streaming services and Netflix for a long time. They don't like them. And, the, the, you know, that that's the only opportunity that I can't even say people like us because these people are way out of our league. But people that are way below their pay grade, it's the only way that their films actually make it out there. Yeah. So. No, I refuse to look as a company and a corporation, you know, they're all terrible. And we, we get that. But I'm not going to crap on streaming services because yeah. what they're, you know, in the in the manner that they're going to affect your 50 million dollar movie, because there is no other platform for yeah. independent filmmakers. So, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And that's the thing is it, it's it's a bit misguided, you know, I mean, yeah. 
if if you go into a movie, there's two two points. One first point is let me get this one out of the way is that my understanding is that they didn't even tell the filmmakers. Right. That they, 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 they just they didn't did negotiate. This, they which, wanted a negotiation. Yeah. And, and they just went and did it. And I, I can see the gripe for that because it's yeah. just like, you know, let's sit down and have a negotiation about it and figure all this stuff out. Like, don't just don't let me find out through Twitter. You right. know, that's whatever. And I don't know the, the specifics of any one movie deal that they had and how it all works and whatever that plus, you know, it's about. It's about options, right? And and so when you have um, people like Christopher Nolan, who's becoming a bit pretentious, annoyingly pretentious with me lately. Um, just with you? Yeah. <laughs> with Everyone else personally? still loves him, I guess. But <laughs> just with all this stuff, you know, with the, the film purists and, and all that sort of stuff. And I'm, I don't know, man, I'm just kind of like over it. But anyway, I'll still watch his shit. But but the thing is, is if, if they're going to release it in the movie theater and on streaming, mm-hmm. Well, then what's the problem? You know what I mean? So if the problem is that people will watch it not in the theaters, well, then your problem's with those people. Because if you feel like my film deserves – if you're coming from the the perspective of my film deserves to be seen in the theater and you force people to see it in the theater, well, then that's not – that's, that's, it's – it's it's no longer about that for you know what I mean. I would love all of my films to be seen in a theater. Sure, why not? That'd be cool, I guess. But you know that's that's just not how the world works. You know, you you make a piece of art and people consume it how they how they consume it. You know, and so any you know so and by that standard by that mentality you should never release it on demand or or any of that sort of stuff, well, right? So- if it, this movie has to be th- seen in a the theater then it would only be seen in the theater and that's it. So the, but that's not the case. So then then it becomes well what's the what's the real motivation for well, it? Well the issue for you my, know no so, but, no but, one's but, thing. But was, my point is is that it's the 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 hate, the the anger is misguided. There there are certain aspects of it, like the negotiations and that sort of thing, but the the whole thing of it being like on the studios is like I don't like look, I'm no big fan like you were saying, I'm no big well, fan of studios. Something had to be but, done. I mean something had to be done in yeah. terms of of viewing because that wasn't going to change anytime soon. Um, one of the comments was that uh, with the decision, AT&T has hijacked one of the most respectable, important studios in film history. There's absolutely no love for cinema nor the audience here. It is all about the survival of a telecom mammoth, one that is currently bearing an astronomical debt of more than $150 billion. Therefore, even though Dune is about cinema and audiences, AT&T is about its own survival on Wall Street. With HBO's Max launch a failure thus far, AT&T decided to sacrifice Warner Brothers' entire 2021 slate in a desperate attempt to grab the audience's attention. Uh, so that was the director of Dune, who also did Arrival, uh, mm. Villain, Villeneuve, I believe. It's, mm-hmm. um, I just don't get it. So I guess his hopes and plans for Dune was that there were going to be sequels and that this is going to, um, you know. Why can't it be? I don't know. I mean, see, that's the thing I don't get. I, I, they're acting as if, like, it's all over. You can still make you can still make films. What's well, it's you know what I mean? Like I, I just don't it, it, I just it's don't. It's a boohoo scenario yeah, for me. It's it's a whole like uh, first world I feel, problem. I feel kind worse of thing, for but... the crew. That part I can yeah, understand. So sure. when we're talking about for sure residuals and things like that for the crew for their insurance and all that stuff and the way that that's going to affect them, yes. But um, this affecting just how successful your next seventy billion dollar movie is, it's like look, you know. It's, slide back down to to the little guys and gals perspective of having to make films and even even still however this affects it i guess for me it's just kind of like look i i realized that this was a corporate move and it was it, the the method in which they went about it wasn't the greatest obviously they should have discussed this with the filmmakers and 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 the move was solely to save their company as as he had stated it you know it the, the, the films are an afterthought. It's more about how do we keep the company afloat? And I get that. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, the reason why this got pushed, because that isn't to say that they wouldn't have gone in this direction anyway. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this for a long time about films being able to stream, yeah. and, you know, while they played in the theaters, because it's it seemed to be that's where people were heading. Um, but, you know, it got pushed because of a pandemic. So it's it's you know, the, yeah, it's not like they just did this out of the blue. Do you blue know? For do you no know reason. how many people with with fifty thousand dollar budgets put everything they had into their film, maxed out their cards, took out loans, borrowed money from their family members to make their movie, and it yeah. didn't even get to screen at any fil- at a film fest because everything was canceled or it went online. And you know, their their shot is if they had a shot was gone. Yeah, 
Um, so it's kind of difficult for me to have that much empathy for a film that is, yeah. is that expensive. I, and I don't I don't understand framing the argument that way either, because did they think AT&T gave a shit about movies yeah, prior it, to that? Like they always just cared about the bottom line. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, you were OK with that when you signed the deal to make the movie. But now right. all of a sudden when they decided not to put it in theaters, now you have a problem with them being money the integrity hungry. of film yeah and, yeah it's like it's like get over it you know that's <laughs> i don't know man it just feels Tough so love from paul it just, robinson it just feels like such first world problems to me you know and These i get and, and that's and that's and that's that's coming i'm coming at it from the perspective of like the 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 their perspective of the what you just read mm -hmm. and the whole theater thing the crew and all that sort of stuff that's its own thing yes. that that thing is i'll fight i'd fight for them for that shit that's you know because those those people you know that's their livelihood. I don't well, care they're, they're about they're not your, getting paid ten million dollars to direct exactly. a film. They're getting you know, their, you know, I, their I, day I don't rate care about your your fourth house in the fucking Hamptons or whatever. Um, and I get that you you know you, you, you look it's it's these big budget movies that like yeah it's it's art I guess but it's 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 a mark it's marketing it's a product right. You know Dune is a product. You know what I mean? Hence why you're thinking of, of is a product. You're thinking you're not thinking of Dune as the movie that you made. You're thinking of it as a franchise. Right. So in the argument of it being um, I mean, look, a corporate is, monster, you're yeah. already thinking of this film as a corporate monster and how yeah. you can make more. Yeah. You haven't even we don't even know how this is going to yeah. do yet. And you're already thinking about making more and franchising it and all that. Well, yeah. And now if now if people don't like it, they'll just say that's because it went it's to streaming right, and whatever. Right. But, you know, the, the I think that. You know, uh, and look, Disney's probably not far behind. They have a lot of movies, you know, like um, uh, like uh, um, Scarlett Johansson's film. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm surprised that hasn't made it to streaming already. They were, they said they were waiting. Yeah, they and so to wait for the theater. I'm like, good luck. You know, hopefully they'll do it right though, and talk to everybody and figure out payments and and all that shit. But it's I don't know. I just I can't. It's hard for me to empathize with that because yeah. it's just such a it's like a whole other world and and. I get that you 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 spend two years making something and then it's not going to come out according to plan. That can be frustrating for sure. Um, but to like, I don't know. And I'm with you on saying that these companies are in 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 in, in corporations are money hungry. Yeah, well, we and, all know again, that already. It's, it's a but drop that, in the bucket to them. But you know, we made a short, the most expensive short that we've made for six grand. We put a lot of money into it. Uh, half of that was our own money. We raised some of it, but a good portion of it was ours. We worked really hard on that it was the biggest crew and cast that we'd had and it went to shit because this was supposed to be the year that we were shopping it and i don't want to shop this film in 2023 like i just right. don't want to do it's it it's not like we and then right and then that so then it would be like us getting mad at the film fest for not playing our right film. It's right like, it's on. like i look that it sucks and it doesn't yeah, it only sucks. suck for I, us i would it love to go everybody. i wish that that didn't happen but i the onus isn't on on the on the movie theaters per se because you know, first of all, they are releasing it in theaters. It's mm -hmm. not like they're not at all. Mm -hmm. So you can still go see it in a movie theater if you want to. So it's like whatever with that. And to me, the bigger thing is like, you know, I don't think people, I don't think like people, you know, when you have a film like Tenet or Dune or, you know, Wonder Woman or whatever, you know, like I said before, those films, the, the, com the company that gives you money so that you can make that film and play in that world, mm -hmm. view your film as a product. Huh. And so... You want to view it as art? That's fine. I'm, I'm for it. Do your thing. You know, treat it. As, you should, and I think you should. If you, if you're, you know, anytime you approach a project, you should try to be as artistic as you can. Um, but you shouldn't like fool yourself in, into like it's some kind of because it's some kind of passion passion project because that's not your money. Mm. You know what I mean? You can't play in this world without their money. So yeah, they're gonna have some say in it. And that's just when you make a deal with the devil, sort of thing. You know and that's that's the type of shit that happens. So I don't I don't really feel feel sorry for them from the from the standpoint of them boohooing that it's not going to be in theaters. Get over it. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm over it. Just either wait until next year or the year after and release it then, or release it on streaming and just move on with your life. Make mm -hmm. another movie. I don't know. Well, this is where um, the Robert Rodriguez's of the world um, really survive because I think that. I may not love everything that he releases, but I respect his approach mm -hmm. and he's a filmmaker. And I really like that. I like that. He just said, Hey, you know what? I don't want to have to wrestle with studios all the time. Every time I want to film something and I have, I have a genre that I follow 
-hmm. and the sets would be similar. So I'll just build the set on my property and just film everything here. Move the sets around and have it here. And I don't have to worry about whether a studio is going to give me everything that I need because I can provide a lot of that for myself. And I, I don't think that, I think that's that's lost. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, everything is multi-million dollar films and the bigger the better. And again, with uh, book adaptations and graphic novels and, and not that they're not good, yeah. you know, there's lots of films that are like that are based on books. Uh, Shutter Island is one of my favorite films that was based on a book, but mm -hmm. it's just, I don't know. It seems like unless your film is based on a book, you're going to struggle to get funding. It almost seems no matter who you are yeah, at this rate, because uh, yeah. Fincher's uh, argued that as well, that, you know, that's, you're kind of a shoe in if you're, if you're adapting right. something, right. but anyway. Okay. So that, so that was that, I guess we'll just see where it goes. I mean, just, they, they I made just, their decisions, I, I yeah. so there's nothing. I mean, and look, this is this is by no means defending the um, uh, the corporations at all, because fuck the corporations. But you know, kind of get over it. You know, you want to fight. You want to <laughs> you want to fight for the crew. Fight for the crew, please. Put out a statement saying you're fucking my crew, and I hate you, and I'll rally behind you a hundred percent. But to sit there and say. You know, something like it's it's supposed to be seen in the theater and it's ruining the integrity of movies and blah, blah, blah. No, you know what's ruining the integrity of movies is remakes and fucking movies based on books and fucking blockbusters left and right. I love blockbusters. I'll go see blockbusters. <laughs> I know I'm riled up about you this. You are shooting from the <laughs> hip tonight, sir. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. It just bugs me, you know, because one of the things that I hate so much about this industry, as it were, is pretentiousness. And that, I'm not saying these directors aren't necessarily pretentious, but they it are. comes off that way. Nolan is a pretentious uh, director. And well, I don't want to throw everybody in there. I'm just saying that just it, it, that type of mentality comes off as pretentious. Like I said, fight for your crew, fight for your cast, blah, blah, blah. But don't fight for like it deserves to be seen in a movie theater. The Otherwise, problem, it's the whatever. The problem with the authenticity from Nolan saying that, oh, this isn't about me, actually. This is about this is about the, the cast and crew is that you're the same guy that threw a hundred thousand hissy fits from spring till fall about whether your film was going to be in the theater or not, and whether you were going to release it in the theater or not. And then you kept pushing it back because it had to be seen in the theater. And you're the guy that's actually said my films are made to be seen in a theater and must, you know, so it's yeah. like you have this very pretentious attitude. Well, then you need to like, and so it doesn't seem as authentic, I guess, when right. you say, oh, it's really not about me. It's about the crew. It's like, oh, I think it's about yeah. you a lot. Because if you, if you <laughs> like, really felt that way, then you would never release it outside of a theater. Yeah. I mean, did. because also you're that every time you push this back, if your your crew is waiting on residual re residuals and all that, you're you, you're just they're in limbo because yeah. you keep pushing it back and pushing it back and pushing it back. If you really cared about whether they were going to get those residuals, you wouldn't just put it, yeah. it out, you know? Um, anyway, okay, so there's there's one more thing that I'm not going to get... Plus, no, I'm <laughs> There's one more thing that I'm not going to get too far into, but I have to mention it because, dear God, it's just... It, it, Here we go. I'm riled it up. Let's do this. Ballooned and mushroomed, and it was just like, whoa. So uh, the LaBeouf has been in the news lately. His yeah. ex-girlfriend is has filed suit, um, FK Twigs. She's a musician. Mm -hmm. I actually listened to a bunch of her stuff too. So, um, since this or before? Before. Yeah, I don't know. It just I came never, out. I How would I be? A f I've been a fan for four hours. <laughs> like, yeah. um, and so the allegations are are quite serious. Yeah. They're, they're quite serious allegations. And um, unlike the herd Depp fiasco, yeah. where it's like. Seemed a little Depp bit more never of a really came gray across area. as this type of person, and yeah. then everyone in his life is going like, "Yeah, they've never been like." All of his exes came out and were like, "Never had that personality." Like, not sure what that's about. There, there was a lot of doubt from the beginning of that, and mm -hmm. then all these this audio comes out, and uh, you know, we find out that she's a fucking lying nutbag, and you know, there, there's that, and so there was reasonable doubt with debt with Depp. I did question that from the beginning and not to say that you know th this is a slippery slope right because it's guilty until proven innocent um but then there is also this sort of unsafe environment to say that you've been abused but the reason why this doubt has to be cast is because of cases like amber heard mm -hmm. you can just say anything yeah uh, it's unfortunate and 
a person like that really does make it harder for people that actually are in abusive relationships, which this seems to be. Mm-hmm. And if Shia LaBeouf has, hadn't been a walking train wreck for the past decade in this business, yeah. I would perhaps his ups doubt and downs. it. <laughs> this is a girl that does not need him for mm-hmm. her career. She's been successful. She was successful before him. She will continue to be. She has her own thing. So she's not looking to right. monetize on him. She has right. her own. She has her own flat in London, if you will. Yeah. She has the 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 uh, the ability to certainly take care of herself. Mm-hmm. So um, same thing. He was married to uh, Mia Goth. She's making her own movies and her own films and her own money. And so, um, yeah, just the allegations were extreme when we were talking about or when, you know, she had um, sort of listed off the things that they had been going through, uh, attacking her at a gas station and sleeping with a loaded gun, not letting her sleep with clothing on, because, because which is kind of like... Uh, that's sort of uh, like that's, a, that's abuse one oh one. Yeah, yeah so because you you're vulnerable. So if you're not clothed, then he would have to hear you getting your clothing and you know have the opportunity. So it's just really shady stuff. And then the release today of the fact that she claims that he bragged about shooting stray dogs in L.A. to prepare in a, an attempt of method acting to prepare for fucking stupid gangster movie that he was in collector or something whatever it was and i'm like listen i know this sounds terrible but i have i i was i was like this is gross and and i'm not surprised and and when i was reading the article to you about his behavior with his girlfriend i was like jesus christ and then when this came out it's like that's a line you can't come back from with me (laughs) shooting dogs like killing dogs stray dogs this is where you're at um the the extreme the extreme side of that let's just put that i'm going to put that on the back burner for a second Mm -hmm. the extremity of that behavior um i've discussed how i feel about method acting especially to this degree the lettos the francos that i hate that shit yeah if if the only way that you can give a performance and give a good performance is by killing fucking animals you got to be kidding me yeah how strong of an actor are you if that's the length that you have to go yeah. to get there? Um, again, I don't think that he's made a comment. He made a comment towards the abuse towards her, but he hasn't, his reps haven't commented on the dog yeah. incident. Um, he admitted to drinking moonshine when he was in Lawless. Mm-hmm. He had his tooth knocked out by a dentist, which is the bougiest fucking hardcore way to do something, by the way. If you yeah. want to get your tooth knocked out, getting in a fight in a bar with some asshole and getting your tooth knocked out, that's how you do it. Okay. So that was like the most Hollywood way of being like, can you anesthetize me and then knock this tooth out so I could look hardcore? (laughs) Like, Yeah. Anybody could do that. You have money to stick another tooth in there. Like, what was that? But it was, you know, it's just this, this very, this very extra attempt at seeming like you're the most method method actor that's ever existed. Yeah. And here's the thing. He always gives a good performance. I won't take that from him. I won't take, from the fact that he did great in Lawless. He did great in uh, Fury. Mm-hmm. He does great in his films. Nymphomaniac, I, I'm not a Lars von Trier fan. I did watch it and I was just like, all right, whatever. I, I just, I don't know. It's, it's to me, how much credit can I give somebody who I don't feel is actually acting, but who's actually unraveling on camera? Yeah. There's a difference between that. I'm far more impressed by DiCaprio being Calvin Candy because that doesn't seem like his personality at all. And you're like, holy shit, that's playing yeah. a character. That's nothing like how this person actually is. The guy saves the freaking planet on his spare time. Yeah. And then he turns into a racist slave owner yeah. for, for a film. Um, you know, and then you have like Jamie Foxx, who's always like singing and, and, and being all charming and shit. And then he's like, you know, well, so like. you hear those stories about like acting. DiCaprio where they're just like laughing and joking and then it's yeah. like action and boom, they're there. That to me is far more impressive yeah. when you can jump in and out of a character so that you can assess where you need to be. That's way more impressive to me yeah. than you literally dragging yourself through glass to remain in character. Because what that tells me is that you're not confident that you can get back into it. Yeah. And so you have to stay in that character. Doesn't mean that you won't give a great performance, but the only way for you to actually do it 
is for you to have to bring yourself that low because you don't have the skill to jump in and out of it, yeah. which you really should be able to do. Yeah. You really should be able to do that. And so, I mean, if we're just talking about, you know, the method side of it, that is just absolutely not necessary. Then there's the whole moral side of it and the ethical side of it. Um, I was really looking forward to look uh, to watching his movie coming up in, in February. Um, oh God, I forgot the name of it already. Something woman, something woman. Yeah, um, and the crazy thing was I remember watching the trailer and being like, wow, this looks like a really intense, great film. And Ellen Burstyn was in it, who I love. And then it dawned on me. I was like, fuck, Shia LaBeouf's in that. <laughs> now what do I do? Because here's the thing. It sucks for everybody else who was in that movie. Yeah. That's the tricky because part. Because they get because, boycotted. But yeah. then at the same time, like, look, I, I'm, I am, I sincerely hope that the director of that, of the next movie didn't know all this stuff about him, right? They, the, we're going on the premise that nobody knew this and that she, she revealed this. But when you hire Shia, it's not because you think you're getting a straight laced actor. You know that you're getting somebody that's unhinged and gives unhinged performances. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's an accountability that directors and studios are not being held up on yeah. by supporting people that obviously have issues. Because if Shia LaBeouf wasn't famous, he would be a, a dog-killing asshole. Yeah, alleged dog-killing asshole. Right, but yeah. he would be yeah. a domestic violence, yeah. dog-murdering dick. Mm -hmm. But because he's a celebrity, we're going we're gonna to offer the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. And I think that benefit of the doubt, like I've said, is quite necessary, unfortunately. But if this was just some schmo from Florida, and yes, I'm going to say that because they usually are from Florida. I'm sorry, Florida, but I don't know what goes on over there. You just you produce <laughs> a lot of crazy things. If you'd read this story and you were like in Orlando, you'd be like, oh, block him up and kill him. Yeah. Right. He, sh he shot dogs. But all of a sudden it's like, well, Shia LaBeouf has bipolar disorder and he needs help. There's plenty of people with bipolar disorder that managed not to kill animals. Yeah. Or okay? beat their girlfriends. Yeah. Or beat their, their partners. Like yeah. that, that those, those two things don't go hand in hand. Yeah. Being a destructive person, being unhinged and having mood swigs, yes. But tattooing your chest and knocking your teeth out, beating your girlfriend, sleeping with a loaded gun and shooting dogs does not yeah. describe what bipolar disorder is about. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's really dangerous to say that. Right. Because there's a lot of very high-functioning people with bipolar disorder that are responsible and monitor it with their medication, yeah. which he obviously does not do. Right. So, Because um, it is a spectrum, right? It's not like yeah. you have or you don't have it. But at the same time, if I you know- I was like, I'm you... not going to rant about this four hours later. Yeah. But if you know you have it, you need to- you know, you are, it, it's, it's causing you to harm other people and you're not, and you know that and you're not doing anything about it is worse. Yeah, because he gave the the textbook response, which was that I've been very, you know, I'm, it, I'm not, this isn't verbatim, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, that he's, he's been destructive to both himself and everyone around him because of his alcoholism and PTSD. Like, dude, I have PTSD. Okay. I don't treat people like that. Yeah. That I, I hate when people say things like that. It's not because if he was truly sorry, he'd be like, everything she said was right. Yeah. I need help. Right. And left it at that. But you offered an excuse. Yeah. An explanation wrapped in an excuse covered in bullshit. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Like I said, I think that from here on out, there is an accountability that is lacking with directors and studios that choose to work with him. I don't know how much work he's going to get after this. Honestly, I'm not sure how this is going to yeah. affect his career. But if the allegations... Know, he seems to be surviving a lot of shit. If the allegations are correct and true, then I I, will, I don't feel the least I feel bit like far. sorry for him if he loses his career Celebrities can come back from beating their partners. Absolutely. That happens all the time, Absol unfortunately. Look at Sean Connery. Yeah, unfortunately, but when People you start... People still worship that guy. Yeah, when... Uh, uh, and and it's unfortunate you shouldn't. I'm not, I'm not defending that. I'm the same, but that just is what happens when you happen to be a celebrity or in the public eye or whatever, and you do things like that. People There's tend leniency. to be much more lenient. But when it comes to like killing dogs and and animals and stuff, I feel like that's that's too much of a line for a lot of people. For a lot of people, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not that curious. I'm justifying either of those. Look, things, there's obviously. always somebody that's going to work with him. The Lars von Triers of the world would be like, he's so low, he'll do anything right now. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to get the performance of a lifetime because he is unfucking raveling, and yeah. I think that's kind of sick. Yeah. You know, like I I don't know. Like if the only way for me to get the performance that I want out of you and for my film to be successful is to essentially ride the coattails of your insanity yeah like what the hell kind of person are you yeah anyway okay 
Today's rant has been brought to you by... And it'll by... go straight to streaming and then he'll lose his shit. <laughs> this rant will go straight yeah, to streaming on HBO Max. Um, okay, okay. So uh, we did watch some stuff. I want to get into it before we bore you to death. Um, we we did um, jump on, on the Netflix train, as we usually do. You know, and I will say... What will you say? What, say what you're going to say. This Netflix thing. You know, I don't remember the last time that I was excited about a Netflix property. For me, it was Ratchet, and it hasn't been anything since then. Right, and I, I, I liked Ratchet a lot, but that wasn't something for me that I was like, oh, I have to see it. I ended up liking it a lot, but, you know, ever since, for some reason, it seems like ever since the Marvel stuff left, and not that it was just because of the Marvel stuff, but it just seemed like back in the days when they had the Marvel properties, they also had a lot more other things that were happening, hmm. you know, but it just, like the last... I don't know, year or two. I, I don't remember the last time I was like, ooh, that's coming out. I can't wait. Netflix is awesome, blah, blah, blah. Now it's just like, it just seems to slow down. And I get it. There's a pandemic going on. Blah, you know, I get all that sort of stuff. But I feel like it was happening prior to that. Yeah, because and the, something the, that we have discussed is, has been the this the very generic feel of all of their, we'll their films. Yeah. So <clears throat> we watched Hillbilly Elegy, which was, there was controversy if you will mm -hmm. um about and i'm just going to get right into that first of all like how, how bored are you that your issue with this film is like oh these characters would have been trump supporters like who cares next get over like, it th that is not like you <laughs> if you listen to us you know that we're not trump supporters you know how we feel so about should we go back this administration and, and re remove any film that could possibly have a Trump. Maybe they wouldn't have been Trump supporters. Do you, you know, don't know how many Southern Appalachian, like shit kicking hillbilly films you would have to write off because yeah. they would most likely be Trump supporters? I mean, that's unfortunately the nature of the beast. Could in, never watch in Home the, Alone again in those demographics. Or two. Which one was that? Two. Why do you think so many of this of their supporters, uh, you know, are, are from these specific demographics? That's yeah, yeah. But that's irrelevant to the story. Yeah. You just made it the story. To the yeah, story. the story took place first of all in the past. Yeah. So this has nothing to do with Trump. Yeah. Um, but way to keep him in the headlines. Yeah, just like no, that that has no no. Let's not do that. So anyway, this this film was directed by Ron Howard. We've talked about Ron Howard, you and I personally, uh -huh. and you know, I I feel like like he's one of those directors that didn't go with the times. Yeah. Because Scorsese's he, one that was like, yeah, he was old school. He was 35 millimeter. He had his thing. And then, you know, digital came in and filmmaking changed and he adapted with it. Mm -hmm. And he didn't let his age or his fame get in the way of that. Mm -hmm. He went with it and he, you know, and, and I, th that's why he's, he's, he really is one of my favorites. But I feel like Ron Howard was like the man in his day in the 80s and 90s yeah. and, you know, and it's well, that's like, the thing is, is the type of film that Ron Howard makes, they don't make anymore This didn't feel theaters. like a Ron, like, right. I knew because I had read that Ron Howard directed, but if you hadn't told me, I, I would have thought prior. some indie like yeah. director that I'd never heard of had directed it yeah. because it, nothing about it screamed well, it, Ron it, Howard it, it, in yeah. any way. And it uh, has to your, what you were saying earlier, it has the very, in the Netflix feel to it. Yeah. Um, and you know, I hate that. <laughs> yeah stop doing that it's, stop that now it's uh it's it's becoming really annoying i noticed it even with the marvel stuff all of those marvel films they had they all felt like the same yeah. and i get it, it was the same world sure blah blah but that was bleeding into other action films they had they had done and all the all those action films and all the whatever they are they all felt very similar and and same with the, with this it just felt like a another netflix like when movie. netflix does uh, uh, if they're funding a horror movie all the horror movies have a specific mm -hmm. generic cookie cutter feel. Yeah. If it's a drama, all the dramas are the Netflix yep. dramas. The comedies are the net. It's there's no individuality in it. Yeah. Um, and it's getting to a point where I, if you didn't tell me it was a Netflix film, I could probably tell you like this, this feels, feels like, like a, a Netflix yeah, film. Yeah. Because Netflix films feel like really edgy Lifetime movies. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. I'm sorry to well, say, but it's is, just is, not. Is, this this type of the type of movies that Ron Howard like and this is my opinion I think he's a you know he's obviously a talented director he's made some of the greatest movies of all time um, but the types of movies that he used to make is not the type of movies that are going to be in theaters anymore you know the the beautiful there's minds no of the, there's, no yeah, there's no audience for that there's no audience for that and th this is all you know excluding the pandemic 
And so like the, the only place that he's left to tell these stories is places like Netflix and that's fine. Mm -hmm. But then you're kind of stuck in that Netflix model. And, you know, we obviously don't know the behind the scenes and, and how the negotiations went down in terms of the look and feel and tone of the film and whatever. But um, I don't know. Use a different camera or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, but so, this, it's just so, that's the only place left to really tell these types of stories. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I hear you. Well, okay. So this was directed by Ron Howard, obviously. Um, it was based on a story by J.D. Vance, who ga uh, Gabrielle Basso plays and uh, starring... Haley Bennett, Glenn Close, Amy, Amy Adams, obviously. The irony was that I went in because of Amy Adams. I'll watch anything that she does. She's one of my favorites. And, she's and doesn't an, kill dogs, just FYI. She, <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, at least not yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, please don't. Um, but yeah, she she's amazing. I'll watch anything she's in. And not and I'm not throwing shade at Glenn Close. It's just like, you know, I'm a big Amy, Adam, Amy Adams fan. Ironically, Glenn Close stole the film. I didn't love this film. I actually didn't even really like it very much. Mm. And I kind of struggled with whether we should review it. I decided to because Glenn Close did such a good job and because the makeup the makeup department on this set mm. did so well. Hair and makeup did so well that I don't want to take that from them. Yeah. Like, did Amy Adams do a good job? Yes, but I felt like there she did as she did all she could do with the character. Yeah, the character that's... was kind of one dimensional. There wasn't a whole lot to her. It was very like, you knew what you were getting with mm -hmm. her and that was it. She and so it, she played the hell out of it, but it was lackluster for me, not because of her as an actor, but because of the writing. Mm -hmm. It just, again, it felt like a lifetime movie. It, it just didn't, it never drew me in. It never, I, I, I'm hoping and assuming that the fact that it got a, a, adapted into a film meant that the book must be, much better. Yeah, they usually are. But it just didn't translate. It, it there was something in the translation that got kind of muddled. Mm. And um, so is your tan, dear. <laughs> so is your tan. Uh, it just didn't really care for it. Yeah. But seeing at the end when they showed what these people looked like in real life, and yeah. seeing how close Glenn Close's character yeah. was, how to, Glenn Close's character was. <laughs> was to his grandmother, Yeah, was like, holy shit. Because throughout it, I kept thinking, man, she is really playing this character like over the like, top. Cool. Like she's, she's like, this is borderline over the top. Yeah, yeah. I, I kept thinking like, this is Glenn Close. Like this, she's yeah. no hack. So, and then they showed her and I'm like, I didn't even have to hear her in action. I'm like, oh, that woman looks like she would totally be like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now I yeah, see. Yeah, that's the thing is like, you take the character as a whole, out of context and you're like, okay, it's a little over the top, but everything she's doing is within that mm -hmm. world of that character. It just, fr from the beginning and from the get-go. Meemaw's just extra. Yeah, you could just be like, oh, she's all right. She's Maybe she's going a little, but then you see the end and it kind of gives you this whole new appreciation for what you just watched. Yeah. You know, because there's no there was no context there. So Virginia Johnson was um, the costume designer and then there's a gajillion people in the makeup department. Yeah. Um, uh, Melanie Axamit, Axamit, I probably killed that. Lance Alderidge uh, was a hairstylist. David uh, Leroy Anderson did uh, prosthetics on Amy Adams. Rachel, I mean, Rachel Bayer, Maurice Beeman. It's like, I don't want to, Stacey Butterworth, that's adorable. <laughs> um, wig maker, just, I mean, there's there was so many. Marshall Cornville dealt with Glenn Close with her wig. Um, you just like, I, I obviously I'm not going to list 29 people, but I just want to give like a shout out to everybody in that makeup department because they nailed that. Mm -hmm. uh, but the story for me and the the directing was like, like if you told me this was directed by somebody, like this was their big break, mm -hmm. I'd have believed it. Yeah. But it didn't, I would have never thought like, oh, this is a Ron Howard film. And I don't know how much of that is Netflix. I don't yeah. know if Netflix was like, listen, here's your money and here's what we want. And he was like, cha-ching, fine, whatever. Yeah. And I'm not going to fault him if that was the case because it didn't vibe no, hey, with him look, at if, all. If, like, if, if he liked the film and he was happy making it, then great. And Good great, yeah. It just, I, I just didn't really like yeah. it very much. Um, didn't hate it. Yeah, I would it say watch happened. it for Glenn Close yeah. <laughs> if you're going to. I wouldn't rush out for it, but it, it was okay. Um, yeah, that was okay. It's okay. On the flip side, on the flip side, suckers, we watched The Sound of Metal. Sound of Metal. So um, I'm a pretty big fan of Darius Martyr. 
and of Derek Sanfrance. Together, they've worked on stuff. So I believe Derek directed, what did Derek direct Place Me on the Pines? And then Darius was one of the writers, or that might have been flipped. <laughs> Blue Valentine. Mm-hmm. Um, they've teamed up for some good They've teamed pictures. up for, for some of my favorite films yeah. in, the, in the past decade. And, some of your favorite talkies. And uh, Derek Sanfrance wrote uh, or directed uh, I Know This Much Is True. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> like, with, which with was DP Jody Lee Lipes. If you want yes. to check out that episode, we have an interview with that man. You would have had to, it would have been helped if you were like, and it was episode number blah blah blah. Well, I mean, it's not hard to find. Hmm, We've done so many of these things. All right. So, okay. So, so Derek directed Blue Valentine, Place Beyond the Pines. Um, I know this much is true. And, uh, you know, so they, they've worked together on stuff and, um, I love their team. They don't do everything together, but they're a great team when they do. They de- there's definitely a feel to what they have. Like when they work together, you're like, yeah, that's them working together. Yeah. And it's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is starring Riz Ahmed. Riz Ahmed. At, are you all right? Yeah. Just feel like singing his name. <laughs> he just wanted to sing it. Um, so it's star- starring Riz Ahmed, Olivia Cook, and then uh, Paul Rachi, who I want to, he's a newcomer to me, but he may, he, for all I know, he's been acting forever, but it, I, I had never mm-hmm. seen him before. At least I didn't recognize him in anything. And um, he did an amazing job as well. So wait, I'm like, I just, it's so yeah. good. It was yeah. so good. Um, saw this trailer. I was like, I have a feeling that's either going to be amazing or terrible. And I was very happy that it was amazing. Um, Riz Ahmed learned how to play the drums for this which we always appreciate. And, I, and I'll, I'll say this, Riz Ahmed, he's somebody who I, I this is exactly what I wanted from him. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm, I'm fine with him playing in 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 Marvel movies. And, <laughs> I'm sure he's glad you're yeah, fine with it. I'm fine, it's fine, it's fine Riz, you're good. Um, but I really was hoping that he wouldn't, you know, a lot of actors, when they get to a certain point, they're only gonna work on big blockbusters from then on right. out. And I'm glad to see him, that he really, he obviously gives a shit about his, his career and his, his, his art, Mm -hmm. you know, because, um, he could have easily done that, you know, and, and we both fell in love with him with, uh, the 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 night night of, of. yeah, he was so good in that. And, um, and this, he was just, just the, his performance in this was just brilliant. Yes. You know, because you and I know somebody exactly like this. Yes. And, um, I hit every single little mannerisms, the way he walked, the way he put stuff down, the mm-hmm. way, you know, all the, ironically, you have two Brits with an American accent, but you know, they're taking all our jobs, so it's fine. Um, but his just, he had just encapsulated this role and it was so amazing. Um, I don't think he had to kill any animals for this role either. Man, you are not going to get <laughs> off that train, are you? <laughs> uh, all aboard. Um, but no, seriously, he, uh, he, he was just just amazing and it was like i do have a couple little like things with the movie here and there but not nothing like substantial like at what? all well uh i mean we're we talking spoilers here or what's happening well i mean obviously we always all right. so there's a moment so they're together for four years mm-hmm. um but then w- when he goes into that um facility goes into the the, the deaf community mm-hmm. or whatever to, to kind of like rehab or or whatever and he, I don't, we don't really know how long he was in there. I don't think they even, they really like. A couple like, months. Yeah, it wasn't like, it wasn't like years. But he comes out and then so she, and then, so when he finally like leaves there, um, she's changed. Mm-hmm. And that, okay, that's fine. I I, I get it. She's kind of got like rich parents and sometimes they just want to like slum it with like, you know, whatever. I don't know. It just seemed like. I felt like more than that, though. I just think I don't know. I, I just like did. So did she love being in that band with him? You know, she, I think she did. I think it was a phase in her life. Yeah, but that's a long and phase. What I'm saying, like she was this person that we saw on the film for yeah, four years. Yeah, and then in the course of that personality sucks you in. I've I've been friends with that person. Like we said, we know somebody that's like that who we're no longer friends with because of that behavior because well, of not, this not over that, the I'm top just, like self-destructive yeah. behavior and i think that you know yeah she fell into the category of a rich kid that was rebelling mm-hmm. against her father and she had the means to do it and so she did i think that her love and affection for him was absolutely genuine sure but no, when I she had I'm just saying the from time a, from to, a pacing perspective when she had the time to like be on her own 
and be away from him because he was he was very combustive. Yeah. You know, like he he when he gets the news, which, you know, someone's going to say, well, it's because he's panicked and he's freaking out and he's behaving. But he had this very like impatient fast-paced kind of personality yeah and i think she was very the impatient. opposite you know on stage she it's like even when she raged as a, as a singer um it was like in this contained kind of way mm -hmm. and he was the opposite you know he's like very like you know slamming on drums yeah, and fast-paced yeah, yeah. and so i think when she had time to kind of be away from him she got to sort of find herself and there were just different people at that point. Yeah, no. And, and I, I really enjoyed the way they discovered that. It wasn't a bitter yeah, moment. The, the moment that that happened was I, I just, for me, it was a matter of like the the quickness of it, you know, and that like the whole, the whole thing, like. Well, her hair was completely changed. I think he was there, you know, I don't think it was like three months. I think it was qu quite a while. Yeah. Well, she just Not cut years, her hair and, but... and dyed it back. But that's, you know, that's, that was like, I, I would have. I guess my point is I, I would have liked to have seen that because it just seemed to like minimize her, her side of it. You mean? Yeah, because oh. it seemed to minimize like, all right, so they've been in this relationship for four years. They've been in this band, we assume, for four years or just as long or whatever. And then all of a sudden, you know, however long it's been, she's like back to being. And I get it. I get that that happens. You get drawn in. And then when you're, you know, like you're saying, I get all that sort of stuff. But for me, it just came off very fast. Um, but there is a moment in the bed together that they have where they kind of, realize what's what's happening and that they're maybe on different paths or whatever mm -hmm. i just would like to have seen that explored a little bit more or, or something or whatever and my only other thing was the um there's a moment in when he's at the facility and he goes from like kind of annoyed to being there to kind of embracing being there mm -hmm. and that just seemed like a real quick switch i didn't get that at you know? all I that I felt that way. I felt like he was just like annoyed, and then all of a sudden he loved these kids and and playing with the kids and stuff. And and uh, to me, it just felt like it was like a switch, and all of a sudden he was happy there. I didn't there. feel that because it, he had the when he had to sit and write with the donut every. No, that morning, shit was great. And he was frustrated and frustrated. But I'm and he just could never write anything because he was so frustrated. And I think that um, I don't know. I I I I didn't find I I mean I can get I can see how that. You may have been perceived that way, but I didn't get that. I, I thought that it, that it was a nice transition. I didn't feel like it was quick. I felt like he was quite resistant for a while. And then. Yeah, he was. But it was just like he was he either didn't want to be there and was fighting against it or he loved being there and he was all about it. There was that transition to me. just felt a little muddled. Mm, I didn't you get know? that. I, I liked it. I, I thought that. I love the movie. Look, these really are like good. super like I'm only, I want to have, you know, something else to say other than like rave reviews because it was just so good it looked beautiful the performances were great um, the only like Olivia uh, Cook's the, always good. the only character i didn't really care for was her father yeah um because i felt like he this... seemed to be apologetic towards him mm -hmm. and i just kind of thought look you may not have liked this guy look it's not like she came back to you and and uh she called you and this guy had been beating her and abusive to her she obviously wanted to be in this relationship and she was leaving because something very traumatic had happened. And I guess I just kind of feel like on a, on, as a human being, the dad should have been like, are you okay? You know what I mean? Like when yeah. he went in the facility, like call if you need anything. Yeah. It was just like, he picked her up, didn't even get out of the car, I think, or like, didn't even look at him. Yeah. It was just like, dude, this guy just lost his hearing. Yeah. You know, he's deaf. Like it's, and then when he came back, you know, he seemed to kind of welcome him. And I was like, you're kind of a dick. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I think, but I think it was, it was from a place of like, because his daughter was back now, you know, she, her hair was different. Like she was more of the daughter that he wanted versus yeah, being like this it's rebellious still one. Kind of like he, he was still taking care of her when yeah. she was like in her rebellion. He, you know, they were staying in, in his motor home and, you know, no. I, I don't know. I just like thought the father was kind of like an asshole. I, and it wasn't a complaint. It's just kind of an observation on the character. Um, the, uh, the, the, um, Joe's character, Paul Rachi, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. I'm sorry. He, uh, has two hearing impaired parents. So he's fluent in, in ASL, ASL, yeah. if you will. Um, in the film, I believe, you know, he plays someone who's deaf, but I'm, pretty sure he he is hearing uh that he can hear that his hearing's okay but um he just did such like that guy 
is so it's very natural. Someone that you would so, expect, yeah, to yeah. be in I that facility. That 100%. Yeah, I don't know if he's maybe playing himself in a way. Yeah, I, I, it's very again, possible I, that he's just natural, like he's just comfortable in front yeah. of a camera and can do that stuff. And it wasn't really like maybe uh, uh, some kind of character that he sculpted and developed, but like it. It was just. It seemed very close to his actual personality, yeah, but it, it very, so worked. Yeah, it was very real. It so know? worked that the the exchange between them when he goes for the procedure. Yeah. And he has to kind of let him cut him loose because yeah. he does that. Oh man, that was so heartbreaking. I was yeah. I was there was a point where I was like, I wanted him to kind of go back, wanted to go yeah, back yeah. to that character to see how he dealt with it, but um, uh, you know the 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 issue in the film for for Riz's character is that he loses his hearing. He's a drummer, which is obviously, I mean, hearing loss for anybody is devastating, but as a musician, it's like, what do you do at that point? And he goes into this facility to sort of learn how to be hearing impaired and deaf. And uh, he chooses to leave to have, um, uh, I get, I don't know, it wasn't cochlear implants, was it? He had the no, implant, it, but it wasn't a cochlear where implant. where it bypasses the ear yeah. canal. Um, and this is, this is uh, an issue. There's two sides of this in the deaf community because some people say, hey, why wouldn't you want to give somebody the opportunity to hear? And then other people see it as that they don't need to be fixed. Right. And we're talking about people that are mostly born deaf. Yeah, yeah. Um, saying that a child who's born deaf isn't going to be able to have a fulfilling life unless they can hear. Right. And so there's that, you know, the contrast of like, this isn't something that needs to be fixed. It's just more that, you know, we need to be more um, friendly, ASL friendly as as a society and we aren't. And, um, you know, the very interesting thing about it is that it isn't something that you just fix and go back to normal. I mean, first of all, you have these implants that are on your head all the time. So you look kind of bionic, yeah. especially for a guy who can't cover it with hair i mean you yeah, can yeah. if you want to you know if you choose to have long hair but so many guys don't and so it's kind of always there and something that everybody sees and it's not perfect yeah so yeah it sounds like i'm assuming that's what it really sounds like they mm -hmm. wouldn't you know but kind of for him specifically i don't know if it's different for everybody for him it sounded like it's kind of like out of out of tune like not out of tune but like like but, a hazy reception uh, on an AM stations, radio. Yeah. yeah. When you're when you can't quite get the station and yeah. you're listening to two things at once. So you can make out you can certainly he make things out and stuff, but it's like it's the audio version of watching a scrambled porn channel. <laughs> I love that that's where you went with that. <laughs> My husband, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm taken. Um yeah, I guess. <laughs> no, but you know, it's so it's and 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 for me, the fact that it's one of the things that I really liked about the the choice they made, I assume in the writing process where, you know, because you could easily say like, well, why didn't he know that that was going to, that's how it was going to be. And it's like, you could totally see that character, like not even paying attention to like the details and being like, just put the plants in so I can hear again. Right. Well, that's you know? how he was. Yeah. And, and so like, you know, they probably were trying to explain to him all the details of it. And he's just like signing stuff. Like, I just want to hear again because yeah. I want to play. It's all I care about. Um, I want to know what, what he's do like what that character went on to do. Like, did he play the drum still or like, yeah, did this, he find another band? It, like, my only I want it to be a show. Yeah, I was gonna say my only complaint, and it's not a complaint, was just that I thought this would have made a great series. Yeah. Um, but would have been an amazing series. That wasn't how. Yeah, that's fine. It was still a, gr a great movie. Yeah, uh, you know, so so uh, Darius Martyr wrote it and directed it, and then the story was by uh, Derek, and so this this was I, nothing that the that they've written has had sequels or anything. They've everything they've done is just it's. It's meant to be a feature, and that's yeah. it. Um, and I, I thought it was great. I thought it was really good. It was um, definitely one of the the better films that I've seen this year. For sure. Uh, really, For sure. really, really good. They always just do such good stuff. I would just so love to work with these guys. Like they, yeah. they're so creative, and their their stories are always so. There's just like this. They 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 write really character driven stuff, yeah. and I love that. Yeah. They focus on their characters so much. And they suck you in with that. Mm -hmm. Place Beyond the Pines, that is all character work. Blue Valentine, all character work. I know this much is true. You know, I mean, it's just yeah. like this really, really intense way of telling a story through the character's perspective. And um, it's just brill. Yeah. Oh, that's brill. So, yeah. Highly go, recommend it. Go watch that. Do yourself a favor and go watch that. Yeah. Um, wrapping things up. 
Next week, if all goes to plan, we should have the MoGraph guys on. MoGraph. MoGraph. Um, about freaking time. Uh, we've Seriously. been on their network for like months now. <laughs> Um, but so hopefully nothing gets screwed up with schedules, but they should be on. So do tune in for that. Uh, Steady Geek and Reality Bond Comicast, not up for debate. If you've watched anything or if you have something that you want us to watch, you know, throw it our way. I don't we'll know. watch it. We'll watch it and stuff. We'll watch anything. Um, we've had some, you know, a couple of people comment on our stuff uh, that we, that we actually don't know. That's always cool for us. <laughs> We're like, mm -hmm. who the hell is this person? Do you know this person? I don't mm -hmm. know this person. Oh, nice. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we always appreciate that. That's always cool. We love the love. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all we that's have. That's all this we week. have this week. So if you're still listening, God bless you. <laughs> you haven't fallen into a coma. Um, yeah, tune in next week and then and then we'll talk about more stuff with other people. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.